0: This is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. It's Friday, January twelfth, 2024. I'm in my Cape Elizabeth studio. Good to be back. Sticking with my commitment of doing two podcasts a week. Here I am. I don't have a guest because because I've been busy shoveling, among other things. One of the great things about being your own boss in a solo firm is that you get to experience a lot of uh, every project from all angles. And so for a housing project that i'm working on the home was scheduled to live to be delivered the day after we had the snowstorm that dropped a foot of snow and so this is the home that i've discussed on the podcast in the past for a client who's using the main housing authority mobile home replacement program we've been on a journey for over a year trying to access this program and we're, we're so close to the end of the tunnel. The good news is that there's this adorable new little manufactured home on my client's lot just waiting for her to move in. We just have to now cross the finish line with a few connections. but it's really been um, it's been an epic journey through the process. Uh, the legal work included, you know, negotiating the contract, but mostly just navigating the gauntlet of banking and main housing, Regulations, uh, but then on top of that, dealing with the mobile home park board, I had to, at, you know we ended up having to file a lawsuit. There was a lot of permitting involved um, because there's a grant. There's a lot of um, oh, just a, a punishing list of tax forms and income verification i mean it really felt like we were you know under serious investigation for what will amount to you know a loan for like a hundred thousand dollars so it's just but but here we are on the cusp of this beautiful family moving into this beautiful new home and it just so happened that you know it snowed and that we we got word that the house was going to be delivered it comes in two parts it's you know The vernacular is that it's a double-wide, but they don't really use those terms anymore. It's a manufactured home, but it came in two parts. It's about 1,100 square feet, and the purchase price is about $115,000 just for the house. So that works out to be about $100, you know, between $100 and $105 a, a square foot, which is in the housing you know, scheme of things very reasonable. So this is actual affordable housing in the flesh that is owned or will be soon owned by my client, which is which is wonderful. Um, there needed to be not only the removal and demolition of her old mobile home, which was really dilapidated, uh, but then site work done that included a brand new cement slab. So this is just such a beautiful. Uh, end product is imagine you know a a lot with potential but a lot covered with debris and garbage and an old trailer and all of that junk being removed leaving in its place a a, you know a cute lot that is surrounded by trees and has a little rock wall there's still some some stuff that has to get picked up but it's lovely and then on that This brand new uh, cement slab of, like I said, about 1,100 square feet. And there's just something about a new cement slab that makes it so neat and tidy. And then the electrical connection, uh, brand new, you know, underground, um, brand new water cables. And then this, you know, truck pulls up with these boxes and essentially just, you know, unloads the boxes onto the slab using blocks and. Certain you know fasteners that are required, uh, and then this team of builders really gets to work assembling, putting together the two sides. That you know, of course, involves sealing up the two sides and then doing the roof. But then, you know, all kinds of of details have to. Siding has to be finished. Um, you know, light fixtures installed. It's it's you know it's substantial work, but it only took a couple of days. Everything is. Is all going according to plan? Down East Energy is scheduled to come Tuesday. The plumber then is going to flip the switch on the water, and hopefully we'll close the loan. And you know, a, a single mother who works two jobs in Biddeford at you know a factory as a skilled seamstress is is going to get her own home, and it's and it's great, and it's in part thanks to a Maine State Housing Grant uh, that. You know is it, part of this program the mobile home replacement program so here's my point is that after all this this is such a success story like everybody's so excited about this people in the mobile home park are excited my client is tickled pink her children are thrilled it's just a really good story all the construction workers are totally pumped um, the city has been cooperative so it, it's a really it's a feel-good story but the, the funny thing is that what Main State Housing has decided to do is discontinue the program. <laughs> so no longer does the mobile home replacement program apply to projects like my clients, which are people who are either members of a cooperative, right? this groovy new ownership model that everyone's talking about, a resident-owned community. Well, it's essentially like a mobile home park, but it's a cooperative. Well, these grants now are no longer available for mobile homes in parks or in cooperatives, which is really too bad because... It, you know, this could really take off as a model of how to improve the lives of so many mainers in these dilapidated old homes that now are required by law to sit on a cement slab that is expensive and not financeable. <laughs> so it's uh, it's just it's something I'm going to continue to work on because I, I'm as soon as my client is safe and snug as a bug in a rug in her new home and we closed the loan, I am going to definitely uh, appeal to the Maine State Housing Authority to definitely continue this program. Now that we've, you know, now that we know how challenging it is, we've 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 sort of, you know, uh, forged uh, the, the first, you know, it's like getting out in the snow, uh, making first tracks. If you're cross-country skiing, it's a lot of work, but there's, there's a lot to be gained. So um, that's just, a, I just think it's ironic that that there's a final, finally a success with this program. Okay, it's taken, like over five banks to to finally get one to stick with it, because the Maine State Housing Authority regulations are just so so. Um, like I said, just punishing. It just makes the cost of the transaction in terms of time and energy just so high. So what my legal fees are for all this, I'm basically doing everything, including shoveling the slab this past week with my client because the house was about to be delivered and the snow had fallen and there was a a foot of wet heavy snow that we needed to be removed. So we met there, but it was, it was fun. We got our exercise. It was a sunny afternoon and, uh, and you know, and, and that, that baby got shoveled. Uh, but hopefully, you know, (laughs) hopefully when all said and done, we can do more, more of this, not, not less, um, A lot of talk about affordable housing, but it's pretty tricky to actually build it for families. And, you know, and I continue to um, observe in the, you know, in the everywhere you go are these gigantic apartment buildings that are called affordable housing. And then now what you see is the, of course, you know, expected outcome or, you know, expected consequence is these storage unit places because they build this housing that's not suitable for families it's one bedroom very small housing so they can jam in so many units because that's what makes the developer fit you know the algorithm and cash out (laughs) you know so we're left with this housing that's not suitable for families because it's like one bedroom and there's no storage and of course everybody in Maine who wants to actually enjoy the beautiful environment has some stuff like, you know, you don't have to be a an elitist to have a bicycle or a sled or want to put your garbage in a garage. So, you know, what we're trying to do in Cape Elizabeth, now I'm going to shift from the Main State Housing Authority, uh, my journey using the mobile home replacement uh, initiative and, and so happy to be finally crossing the finish line soon. Like this is such a major moment. I can't tell you how exciting this is, how, how you know just how good it is and, and, and kind of, again, like I said, how ironic that, and the result is that the policy is not going to be used anymore. Now focusing to Cape Elizabeth, okay, because we sort of push back against this bleak housing model that's being shoved down everyone's throats under the guise of the low-income tax credit that, you know, calls this housing that they create, low, you know, affordable housing but it's not really affordable housing because it's mostly low-income and and therefore it's not eligible for people who work like in public sector jobs like teachers, firefighters. It's not uh, it's not eligible for most of the people who work in Cape Elizabeth because they make more than what's allowed in these low-income tax unit behemoths apartment buildings. So in Cape Elizabeth, we said no thanks to that model, to that large apartment building of one-bedroom apartments, and instead have been working on creating an affordable housing neighborhood that's actually really, you know, nice, like multiplex housing that would replicate or look similar to a neighborhood here in town called Cape Colonial Village and and what's exciting is that we have a majority of the town councilors who are open-minded to the idea of moving forward with developing an affordable housing, you know, neighborhood on the 22 acres of land that have been found feasible by our local engineers. And so the next steps uh, will be to convince them, hopefully it won't take that much convincing, to approve by majority vote, taking the steps that were recommended in the feasibility report that was done by Sebago Technics. If you go to that report, it's available online. It's called the Gullcrest Affordable Housing Feasibility Report or something like that. If you go to page 18, it's where it talks about what the next steps would be. And the good thing is that these next steps, for the most part, apply to my vision, which is to do multiplex housing using the LD2003 density bonus on the 22 acres of land that happened to have been left by Thomas Jordan for this purpose, in my view. Um, And some others, notably... The chair and um, three other members of the Housing Diversity Study Committee ultimately came down recommending uh, studying the potential of affordable housing on the other side of the landfill, on the athletic fields, which I think I've already talked about and I'm not going to get into now. But it's kind of, in my view, a preposterous proposal, but it doesn't really matter because they say, you know, we should move forward studying the potential of developing affordable housing on the athletic fields which is the same distance for the most part from the landfill and so the recommendations in the feasibility report are recommendations that largely study the health hazards connected with the landfill and that would apply whether we're looking at affordable housing on the 22 acres of Goldcrest or if we're looking at affordable housing on the athletic fields which again like I think is ridiculous but that's their suggestion. So um, so, so that's exciting that that, I think, is going to move forward. So not only are we going to hope that and encourage the town council, they have a workshop coming up on January 17th with opportunity for public comment. So I'm certainly going to comment that I hope one of the goals is to continue exploring opportunities to create affordable housing for families. And then I'm also going to announce that we're going to do a site walk. On uh, February 11th, that's Sunday, February 11th, at uh, we're going to meet at the Greenbelt Trail entrance on Starboard Drive. So if you look at the new Cape Elizabeth Trail map, the Greenbelt Trail map, this would be trail number five, meeting at the entrance on Starboard Drive. And we're going to walk to where the 22 acres is and where I believe the road would be. And so this this is the next point, is that in Cape Elizabeth, the, the next steps for moving forward on affordable housing at Gullcrest, what I've been calling community housing, include taking these environmental you know, steps that are outlined in the feasibility report on page eighteen, but also because the only way to develop any sort of affordable housing neighborhood in Gullcrest, we there has to be a road. Otherwise we would be um, we would be limited because of the dead-end um, road limit of 20 units, if, we, if there was just a dead-end road going into this area, we could only have 20 units because that's part of our zoning ordinance. So in order to um, not have a dead-end road and therefore not be um, restricted by the dead-end road rule, we would have to build the road into the area and then just loop it around the back of the transfer station. There's already a road there that... Skip Murray uses, his company uses for developing and transporting and um, managing the compost. If you go behind the landfill, you'll see. And so the next steps include not only doing the environmental tests uh, to see that everything's a-OK, which let's face it, I mean, if it's not, we're, we're, you know, we've got to put a big pause on a lot of things. We've got to put maybe a pause on growing food at the community garden and giving it to the food bank since it's like right next to this landfill. So I, I, I'm not worried that, that this landfill is some toxic mess like some of the naysayers to community housing have described it. I think it's going to be fine. And and the road, we, we, no matter what vision you have for developing affordable housing in Gullcrest on this 22 acres you have to have a road if it's going to amount to anything and and the cost of the road can be uh, developed relatively inexpensively and that's a step that the town council could just ask the town manager to do is get an estimate for the road because then we would know the amount of the bond so the, the the request would be to get an estimate of the road and then get an estimate of what the bond would be to build the road because then we could know, as constituents and citizens, whether we think this is a good idea or not, and and then we could vote on it. And so, I'm really I'm looking forward to just hopefully getting some momentum and some movement on on real action. Like, you know, when I think about the work that I'm doing for my client down in this mobile home park. It's so rewarding because the end of the process is actually a home that she owns that the minute she steps in will have, you know, already uh created economic security and some degree of equity just by virtue of having this brand new home and her and her membership uh in this in this resident owned community and, and it would be so wonderful for her neighbors and for other people to to be able to use this program and have similar results and, and in Cape Elizabeth what we just got for you know for so $100,000 in my client's case is buying her a brand new home and her family she's a mother of 3 we spent in Cape Elizabeth another easy $100,000 for another stinking report i mean this housing diversity study committee report is just ridiculously long and, and, and so expensive. and so you know I hope in Cape Elizabeth we can actually you know take a shovel to the earth and create at least like one house you know for one family. <laughs> you know of course I want to do a lot more but I really hope there's some action and, and not just more reporting um, and um, and surveying and and you know talking at meetings so it's like let's let's get some action. So uh, the sidewalk, February 11th 10 a.m entrance to starboard drive encourage please the town council to keep an open mind and and include as one of their goals uh the continued exploration of affordable housing opportunities in town with action not just you know <laughs> words um and 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 what we really need to do is encourage the town council to take the steps that are recommended in the study because whether you're you know, the Housing Diversity Study Committee crowd who wants to study doing housing on athletic fields, or you're with me, which wants to study further doing housing on the 22 acres that was left by Thomas Jordan that has been found feasible by Sevego Technics. You have to take these steps, so let's take them, and let's get the cost of the road, and let's get the cost of the bond, and have a vote at the town council if we can put this out to the people, and put it out to a vote. Just imagine if we could evo- if we could vote on this by november i don't know if that's possible looking at the election clock and how all these things work and how there has to be a public hearing but if we could get a bond on a on a road that would for the most part be a bond on an affordable housing project so this would be it you know like we would have the debate do we want to do affordable housing on golcrest or not because this would be the cost that was borne by the citizens you know unlike the golcrest uh, excuse me the denham court project it was $14 million price tag, not a single cent of private investment. All that was public money, but it was really hard to translate that into, you know, what each taxpayer in CAPE would have to pony up. Well, this will be easy because this is the cost. This is our contribution. We're contributing the use of this land, okay? We're not giving it to a developer or selling it. We're, we're, we're going to lease it to a developer or we're going to create home ownership opportunities, even though we're going to hold on to ownership of the land, but we're going to contribute use of the land and we're going to contribute building the road. And it's going to be a beautiful road that our, you know, public works director can manage, or at least have oversight. And we as a community can contribute in its design and its quality and make sure that there's appropriate sidewalks and, uh, and, and, and we can put the, you know, the cost of the road out to the voters, and if they vote for building the road, then a developer has confidence and and a guarantee, really, that there's not going to be political fallback because it'll be bulletproof. There will have been a public vote. There will have been a majority of town councils for it. it it's a project that complies with the zoning law and complies with state law, so there doesn't need to be a zoning ordinance amendment. So, um, let's get it teed up. Let's 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 take some action. And if um, and if the bond passes, then the reason why that would be most likely the maximum cost per taxpayer that they'll see when they vote on the bond is because the costs of actually developing the housing are financed through the Maine H- State Housing Authority. And then I know this because I spent you know a substantial amount of time researching various programs that are available for various options of housing on, on Goldcrest that I've been calling community housing. And there's, and it runs the gambit of, you know, hundred percent financing for uh, whether it's rental housing for the workforce or whether it's, you know, starter homes for families. Um, there are programs that would finance fully the development of the housing. And if we contribute the road, then we have, you know, just, just imagine a beautiful little neighborhood of affordable housing that's that's good for kids you know like right next to the Greenbelt trails they can ride their bike to school it's just what an opportunity we have so i'm i'm excited mark your calendar um make a public comment on the 17th if you care um join me on the site walk on the 11th and encourage please the town council to just move forward take the steps in the report get the cost of the road get it out to the voters and let's let's have the discussion let's have the vote and until next time, this is Cynthia Dale signing off. Take care.